today on Life Talks, we have a doubleheader. <laughs> I don't even like baseball. <laughs> yes, you do. No, I don't. You're wearing a baseball shirt. Because my sister gave it to me for free. <laughs> the Dan only, time, only wears free clothes. The only time I watch baseball is in the you know the World Series, and only then if there's somebody that's really my from my neck of the woods or something. But anyway, <laughs> we're going to ask two questions today on Life Talks, and we're going through this series right now on tough questions that Christians sometimes ask and which with which we need to wrestle. Yeah. So the first question is, can we lose our salvation? Yeah. Followed shortly thereafter by, what does it mean to blaspheme the Holy Spirit? So we're going to tackle those in order. Can we lose our salvation? This this is one that you know we would uh, you know automatically answer uh, you know very very quickly. No, there is no way we can <laughs> lose our salvation, and there's a lot of scripture that says. And yet there are some uh, branches of evangelical Christianity that we would have much in common Absolutely. and believe yeah. that they're brothers fully. Uh, and but they would say, yeah, you can't lose your salvation, but you can give it back, or you right. can repent of it, yeah. or you can reject it. So, yeah, I, you know, and, I've, and I thought about where do we want to go from this? Because I think it's kind of like, first of all, let me just say this. I believe we've answered these two questions in previous episodes. So it's, this feels a little bit like a rehash, but because we're doing the series, it's like you have to answer it. Well, and we're at nearly 500 episodes. We can't assume that everybody remembers <laughs> all of them. So. Um, but I think what, let's just be honest, Dan, there are certain passages of scripture that when we come across them, make us wonder, or at least there's a sense of what does that mean? Yeah. Like the phrase falling away. Yeah. Like like Hebrews four, Hebrews chapter six, verses four through six. If you read that, it talks about, you know, that the person who has tasted of the heavenly gift, who's experienced, you know, there's this, there's this somewhat reality of, of Christian experience that they've had. And it uses that phrase, but they've fallen away. Okay, so what does fallen away mean? Does it mean falling away like they once had salvation and now they are they've they've lost it? Mm-hmm. Um, another phrase that needs needs um, uh, explanation is shipwreck. Okay, First Timothy chapter one verses eighteen through twenty. Paul is talking to Timothy, saying, "Make sure you do this," um, and then says, "You know, so that other people have not." continued on and and they've shipwrecked their faith that's what it says like these two other guys he uses I can't remember the names of the guys that he mentions but and Paul mentions also repeatedly things like persevering yeah. in your faith yeah, right. and right. and being faithful to continue yeah. lest you be overtaken yeah. you know so there there and there's another for I, I there's even one in um Romans chapter 11 it says continue in God's kindness otherwise you will be cut off mm-hmm. So you have cut off, you have fallen away, you have shipwrecked, you have, you know, there's a sense of apostatizing that is in scripture. So the question is, are these people that were once believers within the covenant community of God that God has since removed, or were they never saved in the first? I mean, this is where, but but I think you have to, I don't think it's just as easy, like, no, you know, that's it. You have to really do the work of what does this, what do these words and these phrases mean? And I think it's really important to understand that. So I've always said there's there's plenty of scriptures that talk about the, whether you want to call it the perseverance of the saints, this eternal security of the believer. Romans chapter eight, 
Okay, and I, I think I mentioned these in a sermon not too long ago, but but Romans chapter eight had there's two there's two major chunks within Romans chapter eight. One is when it says those whom God predestines, he calls, and those whom he calls, he justifies, and those whom he justifies, he glorifies. There's this progression of predestination to glorification that's like salvation is a work from God. And if he if you find yourself in that process, there ain't go they're not getting out. Okay. Right. You also have in Romans chapter 8, at the end, you have this beautiful description of that nothing can separate us from the love of God, right? Not, not even not, Nothing spiritual, nothing nothing that we do. There's nothing that can separate us from God's love, okay? And if that's true, then no matter how hard we try, he, he, can't, be, he can't deny himself, right? Um, you also have the promises in, in Philippians 1 verse 6, 1 Thessalonians verse 5, where it says, um, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. So this idea that God's beginning work of salvation will be com- completed. There's that's a guarantee. It's a promise. Um, Ephesians chapter one verses thirteen and fourteen talk about the sealing of the Holy Spirit. That 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 can never be undone. Um, we have John ten verse twenty through thirty, where God says, "No one can snatch them out of my hand." Okay, and then you also, I I think one of the greatest arguments for the perseverance of the saints is really this idea of new creation. If anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. Second Corinthians chapter five, this idea that we are, we're new, that, that you cannot uncreate a new creation, that, that we are now, we've got the down payment of the Holy Spirit. We're, we're now the temple, you know, the Holy Spirit coming and, dwell, and dwells inside of us. We've got this new nature. We've got the promises. We've been redeemed. We've been reconciled. Like, if the fullness of the work of Christ is done, I can't see how that is undone. That's what I will say. That's where I land. Mm-hmm. But there, the question is, Dan, what do you do with the passage of Scripture that say this person shipwrecked their faith, this person has fallen away, this person has been cut off? What do you do with that? Yeah, that's my question. Well, and I and I think you know the one other attribute of God that we cannot not answer this question without having some awareness of its context is the foreknowledge of God. Yeah. Um, and, and to me, this is very much integrated into my, my belief that, that, you know, you cannot lose your salvation mm-hmm. because I believe that God knew whether or not our salvation was real mm-hmm. in, in event. While we may not know, God always knew. Yeah. And, yeah. and so in that, the, you know, there's a common argument that our, um, you know, Catholic and Orthodox friends often throw at people more of a Baptist persuasion or mm-hmm. whatever. But the idea that once saved, always saved gives people the freedom to abuse the grace that God has given them. I completely agree. And yeah, and I think that's one of the things that we have to be really, really careful with is that we almost develop a a theology or a theological position that says that praying a prayer mm-hmm. or being baptized in the case of some Catholics and mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. evangelicals um, is sufficient to seal us um, against the accountability that comes with being alive in Christ. Right, right. And yet how we conduct ourselves under grace is evidence of our salvation. 100%. I think James yes. really emphasizes that yeah. repeatedly in his scripture. So the argument that once saved, always saved is an excuse to abuse grace doesn't necessarily 
hold water when you when you go back to the idea right. that that you no know, there is if you're a new creature there's new conduct yes and and we should give evidence of that at the same time you know first john 5:13 tells us you know and the word know there is a very direct definitive word these things are written that you may know that you That's have right. eternal life That's not right. that you hope that you have That's eternal right. life or wonder yeah but that you would know and, and i think that Okay, so so I wonder sometimes if the question, if these questions really are espoused by here's here's just my genuine feelings. If you are in the faith, if you believe in Christ, you have nothing to worry about mm-hmm. because you believe. I think many times this question is is we wrestle with this question. I think predominantly the people that do are the people that have who are parents who have children that have made that profession. And they walked an aisle, and they were baptized. They had some kind of religious experience, Christian experience, Christian conversion experience when they were young. But if there is no fruit and there's no life, if they've if they have apostatized, if they have fallen away, if they have shipwrecked their faith, and they're saying, "I don't believe that stuff anymore. I don't. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in the Bible." Like, or, or even if they don't give any evidence of the fruit, right, that should come right. with being alive yeah. in Christ. So, so, but they hold on to a moment. And I think the danger, because they want to make sure, like, my kid is saved. And and to me, I would rather have an... It's okay to say, I'm not sure about your children. It's okay to say that because, you know, maybe 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 they've never believed in the first place. And I think a lot of times parents want to know, well, how do I pray for them? If you are not sure, if you've said, my child has had this experience and then they've fallen away, or they their life does not back it up at all... Then you're saying, well, I'm not sure if they're saved or they're not saved. Well, you can still pray for the same thing, okay? Mm-hmm. And the prayer is repent. Yeah. Pray that they would repent, because <laughs> even if you've, even if you have, in some ways, I hate this word backslidden. I mean, you remember times yeah. you've heard about oh, a backslidden sermon growing that, up, and that, and then you need to rededicate, <laughs> <laughs> rededicate. Yeah. But this idea of, we always need to be repenting. Repentance is the the turning, right? And there's a salvific reality of repentance, and I think there's also a sanctification reality of repentance. Yeah, First John one nine, First right. John one so, seven. So there's this idea of we are there. There are many times we need to repent and turn from something, whether it's something of our sin. But th- there's the the ultimate turning and repenting and placing our faith in Christ. I think it's we do ourselves a disservice if we try to figure out who is in and who is out. And just say, you know what? I'm not sure if my child is in or out, but God knows. And I'm just going to pray that right now that they that God gets a hold of their life and they repent. Because I'm not sure if they are or if they're not. Yeah. But 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 no, don't I, live in don't live in Nana land where it's kind of like you you've made up this you're holding on to something that may not really be a reflection of reality. Yeah, and I really want to emphasize this to young parents because you and I both have seen this over the years, where it's like the parent is so concerned about having surety about yeah. the spiritual condition of their kids that they push them toward a decision that they do not understand, right. do not comprehend. Right. So one of two things happens. It's a false conversion mm. because they don't understand. They're mm-hmm. just wanting to please yeah. the parent uh, or the grandparent or whoever is the voice in their life. Or what happens is as they get older, they begin having significant doubts. This is what yes. happened to me. Yes. And then later on when I had a full awareness of my sin and depravity and and uh, condition and also an awareness that I really didn't know what I was doing when I was six, mm. then I had that 
that moment where I yes. said, I've got to kneel this down. Right. Now, the, my question I've often been asked and wrestled with was, well, was I saved at six or was I saved at 15? Right. Um, and I, my view is it doesn't really matter because- mm-hmm. You um, are now. I am now, <laughs> right. And God always knew. God always knows. God always yeah. knew. So, but at the same time, I think parents have to be very, very cautious about pushing their kids toward saying the right words or performing the right you know, actions in order to give them, the parent, peace of yeah. mind. Yeah. Um, because that's not helpful for anybody. Right. At the same time, I also would urge parents of adult children who are walking in apostasy. Mm. I mean, let's just be frank. There, There's no evidence of conversion. There's no evidence of the fruit of the Spirit. There's no evidence of repentance, and there's no evidence of discipline yeah. coming from God. Or a desire yeah. at all. Yeah. That To say, well, yeah, but when they were six, <laughs> I was there when they prayed the sinner's prayer, which isn't a biblical term, and, and I remember when they were baptized. That may make you feel better, but that's not going to ultimately change the condition yeah. of their soul. Yeah. And and so as painful as that is for a parent, it's important, I believe, that we should be actively praying for the repentance of of children 100%. who who gave uh, and and there is that very awkward period in the late teens and early twenties where they're working out their salvation. Absolutely, that that you know we're all kind of holding yeah. our breath. Yeah, and, that, and that's for me is like is there's going to be moments where you're like I'm not sure if my kid is saved or not, but God God knows. What I can pray is they they keep having encounters with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. They keep God keeps leading them to repentance, and whether that is they got back on track or they really got saved, I'm just praying for God to work. So, I'm, and I'm always more comforted about the young person or the adult or anybody who worries about it than the person who doesn't seem to worry about it at all. Yeah, yeah. Because I, t- to me, the fact that if you don't have any concern about it at all, well, you know, I'm a Christian because I got baptized when I was six, yeah. and they're living like the devil every day. Um, <laughs> that, that That is an absence of the Holy Spirit's conviction in their life yeah. toward, uh, you know, the, either renewal or repentance or, That's right. you know. That's right. So we could probably go on and on yeah, about I, that. I think but... the one one last thing I just want to point out is a lot of people, well, what, did, what happens to these people? I, I think that we have to remember there's always people in Scripture John talks about this, chapter 2, 1 John 2, 19. Jesus talked about this parable of the seed and the sower. Judas was an example of this. Paul talks about his two co-workers. There are plenty of times when people claim to be something that they are not. Yeah. And so just understand, it doesn't mean that they they lost anything. They never had it in the first place. Yeah, yeah and that's, that's where, you know, because today it's kind of a cool thing for people to deconstruct their faith right. and ex-evangelicals and, yeah. and so forth. Um Again, the bottom line is were they never saved or are they not saved now, but they once were. Right. Bottom line is at this stage, they do not identify as they followers don't. of Christ. They're in need of salvation. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Wow. Well, th- this again. <laughs> you know, I think every, to me, the people that get that this really frustrates the most and is the the junior high kid that's reading the Bible for the first time. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? The, the, and they're just convinced that they, one time... They all they of a sudden like, oh no, did I do <laughs> no, the... Bla- did I commit the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? And then it's like, you're trying to convince this kid like, uh, I don't think you have anything to worry about. <laughs> yeah, actually, if you're worried about it, you probably yeah, haven't. I was going to say, <laughs> if you're concerned that you might have committed it, you have nothing to worry about. Because people that commit the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, no they longer, don't care. They no longer feel that. <laughs> There's nothing. Yeah. So so here's what I would just say. The first issue that you have to really, and, and maybe I should just give a quick explanation. The, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is when 
the Pharisees are confronting Jesus and they, he's casting out demons. He's performing miracles. And they like, well, you're doing this in the power of Beelzebub. And he's just like, no, I'm not. And basically you are committing to blasphemy of the Holy Spirit because you have all these signs and you're still attributing what I'm doing to the devil. Anyways, um, the first issue you have to figure out is, is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, is it confined to a historical moment or is it an ongoing reality? Okay. So, if it's if it's purely historical moment, what you're saying is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit could only be done because of the pre-incarnate you know existence of Christ here on earth. So if you with your own eyes saw the work of the Son of God with your own eyes, heard him with your own ears, and attributed the work of his work to Satan, then you've committed the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. The issue is for you and I today, Dan, and any everyone else, we don't see that. Mm-hmm. We're not and so I take the position that the person who the the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit can't be can't be um, committed today because it was in a moment of time in the context of the incarnation of Jesus. Okay, there are some people that say no, it's an ongoing thing, and if you want to hold to that, knock yourself out. It's not your salvation is dependent on it. Um, so if you do believe it's for today, there is a couple different options that you have to filter through. It's either a it's just simple unbelief. Okay. I'm I I'm rejecting the work of God. I'm rejecting the work of Jesus in the Spirit. And it's just simple unbelief and rejection of God. The other issue is, am I attributing the work of God to the enemy? That's the that's the other issue. Or a, you know, another option would be it's a I'm hardening my my spirit or my my you know, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, I'm hardening my heart to it. And I'm just, once I've felt enough conviction, I keep cutting it off. Then I've committed the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Those are only three options. Okay. So, so to me, I, I'm a, I'm a firm believer. It's a historical moment that can't be repeated today. But even if you believe that it happened today, um, the, the options are, are you attributing the work of God to Satan? That's one. It's just basic unbelief, or you've hardened your heart to the Holy Spirit's conviction. Those are three options. Yeah, and I I don't necessarily hold to the historical view mm-hmm. as much as I do that there is a line across which we must not cross, and I'm not sure what that line mm. is. But the evidence of that line is you no longer feel conviction of your sin. Yeah, that you never you you no longer feel drawn to Christ for any reason. Mm. At that point, you have crossed that that mysterious line. They've apostatized. They've apostatized. <laughs> you know, there's there's this this TikTok um, YouTube trend that young kids who have some knowledge of evangelical Oh yeah, yeah I've seen this. Um, and yeah. and they literally say, uh, you know, they go on a camera and they say according to and they quote this 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 scripture um, that that blaspheming the spirit you know, rejects God once and for all. And and so they will say something along the lines, I now, on this date, my name do hereby curse and blaspheme the whole... I mean, it's, it's bone chilling mm. to see that. Um, so, you know, a lot of people have asked me, particularly young people, if somebody does that, can they ever be saved or mm. whatever? And and I, I believe this and that. We all say things we don't mean at some point mm. for a variety of reasons in our life. We say incredibly stupid things. There were people that rejected God over and over, and God in his persistent love and in his grace 
kept pursuing them, as C.S. Lewis said, like the holy hounds of heaven, mm. until the point that they they came to know Christ. Yeah. And I don't believe God is going to be limited by the stupid trick of a 13-year-old kid who has no yeah. inkling of really what, what he's, he's messing doing. with. Yeah. 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 Um, at the same time, I think when you get to that point where you're willing to say things like that, you're precariously close and you need to be really, yeah. really careful of how hardened you become to the gospel. I, I mean, I, I even bring up the example of Saul slash Paul. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was trying to kill Christians. Yeah. And, 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 you know, if he would have had the opportunity, I blasphemed the Holy Spirit. I mean, he probably would have done it. Oh, yeah. yeah he God thought was that like, was a righteous action. Yeah, but God was like, nah, I'm going to have my way with you. You know, so, yeah. so I think there's this, uh, I don't think anyone is ever beyond. But I, I think you did bring up something. I, I really think it's important. And this serves as a check to me at times. We have to be really, really careful about assigning the works of God to Satan yeah. um, glibly. Mm. Um, because, I mean, I've I've literally heard, you know, these flamboyant, um, aggressive pastors who will look at someone who I believe is probably a believer, but they're doing something that they disagree and attribute, you know, yeah, it's, say, it's, that's a work of the devil. Yeah, well, it's, let's be really, really careful yeah, about, about I, that. I agree. I think people that, that have that real strong prophetic you know, conviction, you got to be really careful. Unchecked, they can attribute a lot of things to the devil that you're like, I think you've gone too far with yeah, that one. Yeah. So I, I do think this, when it comes to the holiness of God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, that we ought to make sure that we always demonstrate the ultimate respect uh, for God. That That is reverence. Yeah. Reverence does not handle God and his attributes frivolously. Yeah. And there's no way you can show too much respect for God in, in, the, in those areas. So hmm. uh, don't look for the line of blasphemy, uh, but, but just constantly be, be looking for the opportunity to praise and, and glorify God in his attributes. So, all right. Well, boy, that went by really quickly, Real didn't fast, it? Yeah. So, and, and again, one by one, we're ticking off these questions that uh, people often ask that are hard for pastors and others to answer. We'd love to hear your questions. You can feel free to send them to us at any time. We got one just last week that uh, we're considering doing a uh, uh, episode on here in the coming uh, couple of weeks, uh, but uh, send those to us at lifetalks at lifecharlotte.com. As always, please share us on social media. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you next time here at Life Talks. You've been listening to Life Talks. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new episode. Share this podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to let your friends and family know about Life Talks. We'd love to hear from you as well. So leave a comment and let us know your thoughts on this episode or any other topics we've discussed. Life Talks is a ministry of Life Fellowship in Cornelius, North Carolina. For more information on Life Talks or Life Fellowship, visit lifecharlotte.com or you can find us on Facebook at Life Fellowship Charlotte.